just edit that bit out. Oh my god. And we're here! Gordon Dundas! Hey! How are it's you? Good, 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 good. I've just tried to, you know how it is, trying to put the wires in to get the aerial up in the roof to connect with you, so it all works. Unbelievable. The world of modern technology. Well, welcome to the episode 10 of series 3. Welcome to those listening on iTunes, the Spotify, and also those watching on YouTube. And Gordon, we've had over 1,200 downloads on YouTube. Unbelievable. I'm, I still, but so, I still believe, am I not oh, correct in, am I not correct in saying, Gordon, that uh, the uh, people still prefer to listen to us, which probably, it probably tells you a bit about um, the visual impact that we have. I'm just trying to get the bags away under my eyes. And <laughs> I realise... But we just throw it in YouTube because sometimes you hold up things to camera and it's nice to see the guests. I know podcast mm. is about listening, but mm. if you listen, you can go back and see. Coming up, you will be able to see Laura Burt, our uh, ah. chef extraordinaire from Turn Up The Beat, Gordon. Who's Turn Up The part, Beat. Turn Up the, Who's taking part in the brand new challenge, Drink, Cook, Pair. Oh. I gave Laura, a wonderful chef, uh, three whiskeys. She's had to drink one, cook with one, and pair one with some food. Oh, fabulous. So that's coming up later on. Excellent. So, Looking forward to that. Gordon, uh, as is your want, every week we look at the news and maybe drink some whiskey. What do you fancy? What do you want to do first? Well, let's oh, start with the whiskey. Drink. Let's start with the whiskey. Oh, now. right. What What you got? I have... Um, it's Facial Week. It's Isla Whiskey Festival. That other... Two big whiskey festivals in Scotland uh, every year. Spirit of Speyside, which we've just done about two or three weeks ago with Tam Du. And now it's the the land of the peated monsters, the land of peat. Uh, Isla, what an amazing whiskey festival that is. I've done it many, many times. So they're doing virtual whiskey festivals. The reason it's a little bit different to what was done for Spirit of Speyside is every distillery has their own day. Um mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there's quite a lot of, uh, I'm just having a look at the program, oh but I mean, it starts uh, tomorrow. And then the, the 27th first of May, sorry to interrupt, yeah. Gordon, just in case you're listening, it's on demand, yeah. 27th of May, 2021. Yeah, and it runs all the way through until Sunday, the 6th of June, which is actually Dura Day. So um, every distillery has its own day. And so you can see all that detail. And there's lots of tours and lots of things done by every distillery. Uh, and it will be a really, really good fun. So, um, yeah. So I am drinking um, a Smokehead, which is our Isla whiskey. Of course, we don't get involved in facial because... Smokehead obviously is a, we're not a distillery, we're a brand, um, but uh, it's, uh, it's a great whiskey to enjoy around this time because it's face shield time. Face shield time. I, I want to ask you more about your involvement there, but I yeah. will be drinking. Can I just say, I put a, 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 a phone call to my electrician mate, Davey. I said, Davey, I'm always looking for something different. He's got loads of whiskeys. So he brought me down a, a Dalwini Winter's Gold. Um, Glenlivet Little Founders Reserve, nice. uh, a Glen Farkless 25. Oh, very nice. But more importantly, a Kalila 12. Kalila. So their day is on Monday. The, the Kalila mm -hmm. will be doing their virtual tour and content on Monday, which will be the 20, 29th. Is that the 1st of June? Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, I think there's a whole load of tastings being done. 
Um, so you're going to see uh, Ewan Gunn, good friend of mine, will be doing stuff for Kalila on uh, and Lagavulin. So he'll be there on Saturday and the Monday. Then the two brands I used to work for over there are on Tuesday and Wednesday next week, which is Lefroig. John Campbell, we've had, of course, on the yes. on the uh, on the podcast in the first series, and then um, a whiskey very close to my heart, Bo Moore, is on the Wednesday. Uh, so the, I would imagine uh, David Turner will be doing stuff for that, and then there's Kilhoman, Bunahaven, Ardbeg, finishing with Jura, which of course is not actually on Isla. It sounds like I've, I have to confess, I've never been to the festival. But it is, I mean, A, Gordon, outline your involvement when you were doing the festival. What kind of things were you doing to give us a flavour of what went on? And could you explain some of these bottlings, these special editions, which I have spoke to people. And there's one chap, it doesn't live far from me. I may have mentioned this on the podcast, whose wife at a concert turned around to me and said, tell him how much you spent. And the husband said, 13,000. And I said, that's not unusual. So the wife knew you'd spent 13 grand yeah. at the Fair Shield yeah. on a yeah. two in the morning. He said, I'd spent 13 grand by, by daybreak, you know. So- yeah, look, I mean, um, so yeah, every, every in a normal world, every distillery has their day. So there will be events and, you know, tastings in the, you know, all around the distillery and there'll be entertainment and food and, and, you know, and then you go on to the next day and it'd be slightly different. Every distillery does it a little bit different. But I think what's amazing about it is that if you think, I think there's about 3,000 people that live on Isla normally. During Face Shield, it's over 10,000. So there's people camping everywhere. There's not a room to be had anywhere. Um, and it really is an amazing, an amazing. And the last two or three years I did it, the weather was phenomenal as well. I mean, baking hot. I mean, you know. Wonderful. Um, and you know, what, what was great about it from a, from a perspective of a, you know, being a brand, a distillery over there was that you, you put these events on actually in the distillery, which doesn't actually happen. If you think about it, what we do very often, you don't get big events at the distillery. So we would do, I was doing tastings in the malt barns, for example, at, uh, at, um, at Beaumore, uh, where, where I actually was. We were actually we were focusing on the travel retail range, so I was dressed up as a captain, and I, had, I mean it was a complete <laughs> laugh, but it went very very well. The other thing we did was a, a very interesting nosing and blindfold exercise, which really takes people out their comfort zone. And and then we had another, you know, David Turner was doing tastings in the number one, you know, warehouse. Did a tasting one year with John Campbell in in the warehouse at Lafroig, which was just incredible. Wow. Um, and you know, eighty odd people there, fabulous. You know, and every distillery does it a little bit different. But um, you know, you see so many friends, you see, you know, so many people from other brands as well, which is really nice. And it's a such a social. It's a bit like Spirit of Spaceside, so social. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, you have a few drams. You can have a few drams. It's uh, <laughs> You come, you, you do come off the island going, <laughs> you know, you're a little bit like that was amazing. But I mean, it, it, it's a fabulous thing, and we hope it comes back next year to the to the full uh, whack of um, of normal. But I mean, you know, both these festivals, whether it's in Space Side or whether it's in it on Isla, are 
are fantastic reasons on their own to come to Scotland, uh, if you like a bit of whiskey. Um, and uh, Faceheel is a pilgrimage for many, many people, as is Speyside. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've done some amazing things, not just at those distilleries, but around the others. Um, and well, I bet you have. Just and as I, a beer captain. That's I, what we want to listen to. <laughs> I miss I miss not going to Isla. I really miss it. Um, yeah. Uh, and when I can go, I will be back. And I would normally, yes. I would be going to face shields. So uh, the, the other funny thing about it was that I, it always used to be just after a sailing event that I used to do in Tarbert, which for anybody who knows how you get to Isla on a car from sort of Glasgow, you drive through Tarbert and then you, you're, you're nearly, Kenna Craig's a few miles further on, you get the ferry for two hours or two and a half hours over to Port Askeg or Port Ellen or whichever one you um, but I've been doing this sailing event for three or four days. So I'm, I'm, I think the best phrase would be to say potentially over refreshed um, and, <laughs> uh, and a little bit lacking in sleep. Cause, uh, and I used to then go to Isla a little bit like, but you get into it and you're like, Oh, and you're, and it's just a fabulous couple of days. So um, these, these collectors, these bottlings that people queue up oh, middle of the well, night. Well, I mean, I think I think probably Bo Moore has the precedent on that in terms of, you know, they release a couple of bottlings. A bit like, look, it happens happened with Tamdu this year. You know, oh, we sold our Tamdu yeah. Dalby Alley out in 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 our first <laughs> allocation in about three hours. So, you know, it's pretty similar. But the the main difference is people are actually there, um, and, and we, you know, so so what you see is you see people queuing overnight at Bo Moore. It's almost a tradition now. Um, and they queue, you know, out the gate, uh, and uh, you're sort of like, to, 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 you know, to buy, they do a bottle at £300, they do one at 60 and one at 100 they may do three, um, and, and, and uh, people are, you know, they are, they are, buying, okay. they, want, they want to buy it, unfortunately, some are just there to flip it, but, um, um, you know, that's, and, and so Bilmore probably is the most famous you know, one in terms of the bottlings, but all of them do them. All of them sell out. Brickladdies sell out. Um, you know, they do an Optimore or Port Charlotte or wherever it may be. Um, there's always a Karchis from Lafroig, which is incredible. The Kilhoman guys do a great bottling, really strong following. You know, there's not a distillery in Isla that doesn't have a strong following, let's be honest. So yeah. um, I think the only ones who probably couldn't do anything at the moment is Ardenho because they don't have any whiskey. So uh, that's pretty much how it works. And, and the, yeah, hugely popular, hugely popular. Wow. And if you've um, been and if you want to get in touch, we have a couple of comments on our Facebook page. I'm having difficulty communicating through Podbean where we host the audio, Gordon, because they want to download an app and blah, blah. So thank you for getting in touch. But we've got a Facebook page, um, which I know a few of you have contacted us through. So, yeah, I'd love to hear some of the stories of Feshiel. And I remember, oh. um, without giving too much of the game away, some German lads coming to Glengoyne after the festival. So they, could, they wanted more. And they were laden down with uh, bottlings from the, the, the festival. And they asked if they could send it over to Germany, back to Germany. And I don't think I'm giving any secrets away. I'm not going to tell you who they were, they, where it was. But I think it was about £45,000 worth of whiskey that had to be insured for to send it by courier back to Germany. And they were back at Glengoyne to do a tour. So they loved the smoke and the non-smoke. But can yeah, I say? Yeah. No, no, I was just going to say the other thing is, is also at the front end of face shield. So 
generally on a, at the beginning of the week before or the weekend before is the Campbell time sort of puts on a little bit of a whiskey festival um, or a sort of, oh, yes. so that you can go there and because it sort of makes sense if you're heading out to Isla, then you just drive, a, you know, 45 minutes further down the road and you're in Campbelltown. So, uh, um, might be an hour, but, um, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a complete sort of journey experience for a lot of people. Fabulous, fabulous. And you know, it's uh, that and the spirit of space side really yeah. are fantastic. Uh, fantastic. You know, uh, I like the history and we'll maybe get no time to get into it today, but you have to look at, I think the spirit of space side was 1999. It started, yeah, and really the rise of the single malts, you know, already was underway. But my goodness, ten years hence, with these festivals and then all the people and social media mm. going right, it really has had attraction. It surely has had an influence on oh. how single malts have been perceived. Absolutely, and, and and not just that. I mean, I have to also say because I used not not because it's anything that I did, but I think. You know, the rise of whiskey festivals generally, and what I mean by that are the, the events that we have all been to in around the world. But, you know, I remember putting on, a, when I was working in my early years in whiskey, so 2004, 2005, we put on a, a whiskey show in a tent in George Square. Uh, and it was one of the most terrifying experiences you could do. So if anybody knows George Square in Glasgow, great event space, surrounded by busy traffic, basically. Um, so putting on a whiskey event in a square where people are drinking whiskey and you're surrounded by roads and is quite scary, but something like that, and you look back on it now and you forget that having 3000 people at a whiskey show in George square, where they're doing Coopering, Glenfiddich were doing Coopering and there was, you know, food and this was 15, nearly 20 years ago. Um, these things have an impact as well. Yeah. And, and so whiskey lives whiskey festivals are really there's a and brands themselves but you know there's nothing like going to the 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 geography the location and when you go to isla like when you go to Speyside or tamdu or whichever your favorite whiskey is when you go there you go to glengoyne and you drink a glengoyne and you hear the story you, you get it you understand it you get it and um you really understand why this whiskey's been you know, has this sort of style and flavor and why Laphroaig is different to, you know, Ardbeg and different to the others. And and it's for sure Kaila, for example. So, oh. you know, uh, uh, nothing beats going to distillery, but whiskey festivals have done a huge job for them as well. And that's a fine whiskey, that Kalila 12, I have to say. Lovely oily. Love lovely oily, and that's a lovely warm peppery finish as well. So Kalila mm. 12 is wonderful. So, we have no script for this episode, and we thought we'll just have a quick chat about. <laughs> I don't know how long we're in, but the other bit of the news, uh, yes. having a wee look at this week, is the mighty Brora Distillery mm. in Sutherland has opened, and mm. the lost distillery is no more lost. It's now fabulous. Fabulous. I mean, you know, you look at Brora, you look at what's going on with certain other lost distilleries. There's one that. What's the other one that we're involved? <laughs> um, We've not talked about Rosebank much. Rosebank, yes, no. yeah, it's amazing. Rose so these are. Yeah. And my question to you, Gordon, would be, you know, a discuss Brora, but b the reason it shut in eighty three, Rosebank shut in ninety three, was overproduction, uh, maybe underinvestment, not uh, enough interest. How do Diageo and how do Ian McLeod feel 
about reopening these distilleries now? Well, I mean, if if, if we look at if we look at Brora, you know, had a very distinctive style, uh, as does Rosebank in a very different way, as does Port Ellen in a very different way. But I think the problem was, if you look at the sort of that sort of time in the eighties and the nineties, you know, whiskey was a bit in the doldrums. It was didn't really know its audience. It didn't really know what it was trying to do globally. We're in a very different different position now. Now, I'm a big fan of all these new distilleries opening up, not just in Scotland, but around the world. We spoke to, you know, Cardrona, for example, in New Zealand, who are doing some really interesting things and so many other. And in Scotland, you look at Arbicky, you look at um, you look at Kings Barnes, you look at Ardnahoe, you look at all these kind of guys who are doing some really interesting things around Scotland. And you're like, this is an industry that has got so much momentum behind it now. So to whether you're Ian McLeod or Diageo or, or whoever, and you are bringing effectively back famous, famous names in the world of whiskey that were closed because of the situation, then it gives you huge confidence. Because if you think about it, Rosebank, Brora, Port Ellen, these are three of the most famous names in whiskey. They have real provenance. They have real history. Uh, and they have distinctive styles as well. Um, so when you bring something like that back, it's going to really slot in with this momentum behind the industry because you're going to appeal not just to people who remember Brewers and Rosebanks and whatever, but you're going to appeal to a newer audience as well. And that's the exciting point about these distilleries coming back. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really excited about what's going on in whiskey generally. If I'm honest, I think there is a lot of new distilleries coming through. And if you look at, you know, and there has been for three or four to five years now in Scotland, particularly, but also around the world, and it just can't keep continuing on. Migration, yeah. Can it, you know, can, can they all survive? Uh, well, I don't know is the answer, but I think you will see some consolidation. I think you will see, uh, you know, some of the smaller guys who are doing some interesting things probably being bought by bigger guys that's what happens. That's yeah. the way it is. Um, and whether that's because of money or whether it's because of ambition or because of whatever, um, you know, I think you'll see that in the coming years. But there's never been so much choice for the consumer. Um, but Rosebanks and Brewers and these kind of things bring back, for me, really distinctive styles of single malt, which are not there as much now. So it's exciting because it's adding to that sphere of tastes within single malt um, and not just single malt, but whiskey, you know. Um, and, and so, you know, if you were to look at what, what a typical lowland whiskey is, a lot of people would talk about Ockentoshan, which is a great, great whiskey. But Rosebank had a unique style because of how it was made. Brora uh, as well. Uh, and Port Ellen, of course you know, absolutely. So there's, it, it's an exciting time, really and exciting time. Just a, we've mentioned the festivals, they were not around in the 80s and the early no, 90s no. when these places closed and people were looking elsewhere for their uh, spirit, some yeah. drink and fun. Now it's a different landscape, as you've mentioned. So you've got, to, you've got to remember back in the 80s and 90s, um, single malt was driven by the demand for blend. It was not driven by the demand for single malt. It was driven by the demand for blend. Now you have 
brands that are solely driven by the demand for the single malt. They don't produce whiskey for blends. Uh, you know, Glengoyne, prime example. We've, we pretty much, everything we produce now is pretty much just for our brand. Uh, and that's changed since we purchased yes. it over, you know, it's, it's gone like that. We're producing much more now for our, for our brand than we are doing for blends. Uh, and these are contractual things, but, you know, there is, and that's why you're seeing more distilleries focusing on their brands uh, much more than, than the sort of, uh, you know, the sort of secondary market, as it were, the, the blending market. But that I, think, mean... I think people come to the whiskey world, I, I don't think they realise that that's how I, it's relatively young. It You're is. talking about the mid-1980s. I had shoulder pads and a moustache. I was walking about the streets in those days. Single malt really wasn't part of my agenda. And I don't, I, I, it's still quite a young mm -hmm. category. Does absolutely. If you compare it, yeah, look, single malt, I mean... You know, as a as a modern day category, I think you can really look to the last thirty years and see the rise of single malt. Uh, yes, it was around beforehand, but never to the percentage. And you look at now in the last probably even ten years, how much more single malt in the overall scope of Scotch whiskey is taking volume. You know, its volume percentage is increasing. So, you know, it's probably twelve or thirteen percent now of of global scotch whiskey sales by volume but by value it's 25 or 30 yeah, percent yeah. so you know you can see where the where the demand is if you know what i mean but that doesn't mean that blends are not important because they absolutely are and i can see in the coming coming years the rise of blends again because i think what's coming through here is that if whiskey tastes great however it's made then just drink it and enjoy it and blends are a great can be great great whiskies um and blended malt don't forget blended malt will become something which is really really interesting because blending malts together is an obvious thing to do we do one which i think is fabulous i know you do as well six aisles why would oh. you not want to blend six single malts from six different islands together is there another whiskey like that in the world no nope, no nope. nope. that's absolutely so, wonderful. you know that was a highlight of one of the uh, episodes in yeah. the podcast. It was drinking yeah. the six aisles. Absolutely fantastic. So, and I think, Gordon, we'll maybe move on from this, but it's very interesting. As the new single malt distilleries come online and advertise themselves as non-age statements, and it yeah. is all about flavour, which is a great thing, the blenders are sitting there and saying, we're doing the same thing. Mm. We're, you know, not necessarily talking about age statement. We're all about flavour as well. And as you see, it's starting to blur a little bit of the lines going forward. So it's an interesting, interesting developments there. I think the public, I think the consumer who buys whiskey is less focused now than they ever have been on whether an age statement is important or not. Um, I think because of what the industry is doing, whiskey festivals are doing, and, and the ability of people to taste whiskey now more and more, people will buy a whiskey if they like it and the price is right, irrespective of whether there's an age on it or not. And I think that's a big yes. point. That's interesting. Uh, and I guess it's up to the single malt distilleries to, as you say, get the provenance, get the brand, get yeah. them in the market so you have loyalty from people, you know, rather than going just to get any flavour yeah. out there you yeah. want to buy from a individual distillery. It's a great yeah. subject. We've talked a lot about that. Can I move on? I have a little section here that you said, I don't I want to know. Section. 
I don't you know because you love little sections. It's a magazine show as well. That's a lovely bit of news and a lovely bit of tasting. But just as the world is opening up and we are beginning to see shoots of freedom in countries, you've mentioned it already. I just thought if we could do a, it's almost like a bluffer's guide or we used to call it Gordon Dundas's listillery, not distillery, but a list, listillery to themed whiskey tastings. You are allowed X amount of people indoors now in certain parts of the country or abroad, so you can have small gatherings of whiskey enthusiasts. Now, I would like you, and this is totally random off the top of your head, to come up with some themed whiskey tasting ideas. Now, this comes from a couple of things. Steve Laidlaw, how you doing, Steve? Um, wrote to the Facebook page, yes, and just said, he would like us to talk a little bit about the chill filtering and how he would like to do a tasting of a whiskey from the same distillery that had been chill filtered than hadn't been chill filtered. And I thought, that's an interesting theme for a whiskey tasting. We've mm -hmm. talked about lost distilleries. So I'm going to start you off, Gordon. You could have, <laughs> if you had money, to do a theme night with your friends of lost distilleries. So you taste a Port Ellen, taste a Brora, taste a Rosebank, and... Um, there, there, there's many there, of there, them a couple of others that you could put in there so lost distilleries so I'm going to throw it over to you Gordon what other the traditional one is by regions themes yeah. isn't it so you, you can outline the traditional one by regions and then you can go within the same brand so a couple yeah. of thoughts Gordon and Dassey's distillery to themed whiskey evenings now we're opening up well, I mean, I think I think if you look at if you look at single malt these days, regions are less important than they ever have been, and it's exactly what we were just talking about in terms of you can make different styles of whiskey anywhere now, really, because you get different malt, peated, unpeated, delivered, and your style. You know, you know, Lafroy, if it chose to, could make an unpeated malt, and and may well have done in the past. I'm not sure. Um, uh, so you can do that. So so I think you have to go. It, any whiskey tasting now should be driven by flavor, should be driven by what it's bringing to you. Right. Uh, so I'm a great believer of, of a whiskey tasting that could talk about sherry casts or talk about, uh, but also I've, I've used blindfolds quite a lot in whiskey tastings. Now, when you are holding the whiskey tasting, that's not bad. When you're one of the people, what you notice <laughs> is that immediate, and particularly, you know, what I always do at a, at, a, at, a, at a blindfolded whiskey tasting, which I've done many times, is first I get everybody to put their wallet on the table um, so that we obviously have, you know, there'll be no wallets left by the end of that, uh, but they're all <laughs> blindfolded. But what you, what you immediately see, and this is what I really like, is when you take your eyes out of it, your nose becomes much more enhanced, much more much more uh, aware of what's going on and you start to he hear things much better as well. Um, and um, so, so a themed whiskey tasting would be a sensory one for me, the first thing I would do. But what I would do is I would give some people some, some indications of the whiskies that they were going to get, maybe an indication of the maturation, but get people to talk through their, their nosing. That's one of my favorite ways of engaging people. Um, the other one. Right. Yeah, okay. the other Oh, another one, Gordon, could you maybe have a, a discussion about international whiskey evening? Absolutely. What would you do on that one? What, what, what comes to mind? 
Well, I would, I would love to do a. I'd, I've never done it myself, but I'd love to do an Isle of the South, a Tasmania whiskey tasting of the of the whiskies in Tasmania. I'd love to do a tasting of New Zealand. We've spoken to Kadrun, as I said, um, yeah. or um, you know, Omar or Cavalan in Taiwan. Um, right. I've done a lot of Japanese whiskies. I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of those as well. Um, Japanese, and I think with and I think with the new rules coming in behind Japanese whiskey. Um, that's really an interesting change in their dynamic in terms of at the moment you can sell scotch to Japan and bottle it and call it Japanese whiskey. That's going to change. So a Japanese whiskey tasting is actually in, in the future in two, oh. three years time will be whiskey made in Japan. Um, so, and then, uh, you know, the other thing I like to do is also try and broaden people's thoughts. So I remember doing a whiskey tasting where I did, uh, some single malts, and I threw a blended a blended whiskey in the middle. Uh, and and there's a great story of, a, and this is why whiskey tastings can be. There's a great story of a friend of mine who did a tasting. Independent guy did a tasting in Germany, I think, and he was doing a whiskey tasting of just five random whiskies. And he told everybody, you know, the I think he told them the the sort of rough didn't give, didn't give away too much information middle whiskey was a black bowmore 10,000 pounds worth of whiskey um 42.7 <laughs> alcohol legendary whiskey and under half the room picked it out as their favorite um that sort of shows you that whiskey is 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 all about the individual but of course people do get led a bit about what you would say but you know, if I, if I was going to have an amazing, and these are the things you need to think about. If I was going to have an amazing whiskey in a tasting, you should actually put it at the beginning. You should actually put it at the beginning, but you never do because you want to end on the, the amazing whiskey. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So there's a lot of things I've, and food, so, food, food brings in so much. You could do a food pairing one. Food well, but you, thing. Gordon, you've done a lot of tastings. What would you do? I am. Um, you you, you could bring in some theatrical experience. Your your background. I, I do. Yes, that's right. Sort of act out, um, act out some sort of historical moments from those whiskies that you're tasting. But um, I, you've mentioned it already. Uh, I like the Six Isles. We do one called Sheep Dip as well. So Monkey Shoulders, I think one of the biggest blended malts yep. out there. So you could do a blended malt night and just oh, discuss. The components of the malt goes into each one of these whiskies, mm. uh, so that's quite nice. I think a blended night you could even do just Absolutely. a blended scotch night and have, or a blended whiskey night. Yeah, I mean, blended whiskey still has a little bit of people go, Oh, blended whiskies. I would just point to one whiskey which I used to work with, which dispels any myths about Hibiki is a is a is a blended whiskey that is talked about and there's no scotch equivalent and and there's no brand that has nailed an equivalent scotch to a hibiki where it's got this real kudos great packaging and uh is renowned as an amazing whiskey and talked a bit like a single malt although it's a blend yeah um and and so i think there's a gap in the market there uh i'm just going to phone innovation now uh <laughs> right guys i think we need a i think we need a uh right. hibiki <laughs> well that's what compass box were trying to they yeah. a little bit of yeah. Yeah. blended no, whiskies and that sort of great, very good grain great, great malt and combine it with a, a big thought and try and sell it that way which was what we used to do in this country blends were seen as real yeah, they've done um, a lot they've done a lot yeah compass box have been really pushed the boundaries and there's a lot more 
things like that. A lot more innovation coming through, which is great. So, um, so I think you know the the standard whiskey. Not to mention, I did another one, which was really interesting. Was the impact of glassware on whiskey? Ah, now, um, so we gave everybody a Glencairn glass of whiskey, and then we gave the same whiskey in a tumbler, a half pint glass, a mm. A, 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 and and, like and it was really really interesting like to that. see the results because we didn't tell them it was the same whiskey we just said here's 10 whiskies but they were all the same and the difference was unbelievable and, and I, I put that down on to, the nose and palate absolutely and, and it's incredible you say actually these are all the same whiskies and, and it was like really um, and I put it down to a similar thing when I go if, when you go skiing <laughs> Uh, I'd love to go skiing. Uh, when you go skiing and you um, you get a glass Coke bottle up a, up a ski slope, that is like the best tasting Coca-Cola <laughs> you ever, ever have. Uh, be, um, whereas out of a plastic bottle, it just yes. doesn't taste the same. And, and so there is that sort of thing going on, or whether you drink tea out of a teacup or a mug. You know what I mean? Uh, and Dude, there's no doubt there's friends, that impact as well. Will not take Guinness out of a can. You know... Prefers it in a pub, but uh, at the moment it's only out of the um, bottles. Absolutely no, wouldn't even, wouldn't even entertain it. But yeah. Really, it's, it's, or, yeah. or another one which you'll be more iron brew out of a glass bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. We'll get blindfold tastings. We've got international. You can go either. Yeah. You know, Patrick Lutz in the last episode mentioned the Australian whiskey distilleries. He yeah. ordered from. You've got New Zealand, you've got Kavalan in, yeah, in yeah. Taiwan. Yeah, so you can yeah. do that. Or a Japanese night, we'll have a food pairing evening, which is absolutely. You know, I've done. I've done some wonderful cheeses. I've also done. You know, we did a smokehead. A, a, we did a smokehead tasting earlier this year, virtually, uh, where we did a, 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 a. I mean, it was brilliant because smokehead's that brand that's a little bit different. It was for the trade. But we did an alternative uh, Burns night where we gave we gave some crisps and there was some haggis, haggis flavored crisps and there was some, <laughs> just to do things a little bit differently. And, and the feedback was fabulous. Great fun. And can I just say on the food pairing last night, this is completely irrelevant to what we've been talking about. But because it was midweek, I thought we'd just go for some fish and chips. And I overindulged in the fish. I, did, I accidentally ordered two fish uh, with the chips, and then some of my daughters couldn't eat theirs. So ate theirs. And so this whiskey right now is really digestifying. It's really making me feel quite good, Gordon. Just feel the nice. bloatiness and bagginess is, is lifting. So whiskey is a wonderful uh, food to pair with whiskey, but even after whiskey food, what a great di digestive it is. Absolutely, absolutely, so, yeah. Great. Uh, Gordon, I think we're going to just jump off now and listen to our um, guest. Sadly, you couldn't be there when we interviewed Laura Burt. Now, this was the first of the challenges. Um, drink, cook, pair. I've mentioned earlier on, you can all become a parent, but it really speaks to the versatility of whiskey, which we've just talked about there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, one, she's cooking with it because there's lots of recipes now. You can fold whiskey in with food and make lovely uh, dishes that combine food and whiskey, or you can drink it on its own, or you can pair it. So versatility with whiskey, Gordon. Um Always been thus, or are we in a new era of? Oh, we're definitely in a new things. era. I think probably in the last ten years, it's been blown up by exceptionally talented people like we're about to hear from uh, Laura or 
brilliant bartenders and mixologists around the world. You look at, at the top bars in the world now, most of them are making great whiskey cocktails as a real central pillar to to their you know their their offering um uh and um i mean i think from my perspective what we're now doing in the whiskey industry is 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 as wide as it has ever been and, it, and it's down to the people in the approach of the industry and the people who work with the industry um that whole days of don't add water don't mix anything don't add ice drink it you know is have gone and good because well in my research for this piece i looked at some of the books you research have, this yes this part with oh. laura <laughs> not with you all right this part uh, lots of books been written about whiskey as a recipe in food and i was also on youtube for woodford reserve and their ah. head chef was making some lovely um I don't know, some game or some meat and the, the, the lovely raisins were getting rolled with the meat and they were soaked in Woodford Reserve and then oh, look, Woodford Reserve delicious. I've got a great bottle of Woodford Reserve uh, Woodford Reserve I really like it triple distilled bourbon uh, pot still distilled I believe triple distilled bourbon uh, Chris Morris really good guy but yeah I mean I, I and a lot of what you're seeing comes from these smaller distilleries craft guys and and not that they are but and bourbon historically has always had that link to barbecues and the sort of American, you know, uh, uh, fabulous. But Scotch uh -huh. is catching up now and we are doing it in a more diverse way, which whether it's seafood, cheese, chocolate, steaks, whatever. And it's well, great. Here we go. The first installment. And this might be part of our next series. Drink, cook or pair. Take it away, it's Laura Burt. I'm delighted, our first guinea, I mean our first guest, <laughs> to play DCP is Laura Burt. Yay! <laughs> How are you, Laura? <laughs> Thanks for having me on, this is brilliant. I'm so excited to be a part of it. <laughs> well, Laura, you've highly recommended. I actually have tasted some of your amazing food. And so when I was trying to work out this game show, I thought, I want to get Laura, I want to get the brains behind Turn Up The Beat to come and play. Could you tell us all a little bit about your business? Who is Turn Up The Beat? What is it? Uh, well, Turn Up The Beat, it, um, it became established about three and a half years ago, so we're still a wee baby, really. Um, ah. But we're basically existing now as a world cuisine deli on the West Highland Way. We're only about a mile away from Glengoyne Distillery and we are a catering company as well. So we do bespoke catering and we also have a small zero waste shop and we just do eco-friendly take-home meals as well. So we've got a few different forms. Yes. And highly recommended as well. And just on your website, you have had one or two quite big clients in the corporate world. We had the biggest being Glengoyne Distillery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we've done a lot of different things. Uh, the catering has taken us here, there, and everywhere, really. But the a wee flavor I saw on the website, you've got BBC up there, you've got European Athletics up there, Royal yeah. Bank of Scotland's. Uh, what one sticks out? What one was a good good gig? Just gives a flavour of what you do out there. Uh, so we've for the European uh, the European Championships, we were in the tenth 
at the outdoor swimming events and we were catering for the BBC crew there. So that was really good to be behind the scenes, uh, just, you know, soaking up the atmosphere and making sure everyone was well fed. Um, And then I think probably one of the most unusual things we've done is the food styling on Harry Styles' music video, Adore You. So there's some... Um, there's some scenes in that video where you'll see food like a mini taco or there's a, a patisserie scene that's all us that's all the little turn of the beat team behind that <laughs> Oh, but Harry Styles you must have got quite a shock when you turned on this camera you must have thought you were back speaking to Harry Styles again it, but no, it's okay <laughs> it's okay it's okay so that's amazing because food styling you know you, you, you i've got recipe books in the house there it's so important you know how food looks in the on the camera it's not just about eating it's about conveying how it looks i would imagine it can be two different things yeah i mean you must be used to that with the distillery you've got to do a yeah. lot of Materials and it looks like you've done it already there with your little whiskey deck. Correct. And if you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes, you can go and find us on YouTube and you can see what I look like, which I'm afraid is not what Laura looks like and what Turn Up the Beat looks like and my whiskey looks like. So that's a nice visual cue. But yeah, I've done a small bit of styling with that. Would that work? I, I definitely noticed that. I'm very impressed. <laughs> so, Laura, that's great about turn up the beat just a little bit. Before we play Drink, Cook, Pair, could this take over the, the nation? I'm not. Um, your own food journey, where did it begin? And what, what got you into this whole business in the first place? Funnily enough, I actually used to work for, I'm sure you'll remember, Gail McCreth, who catered at the distillery. Um, I- Probably around around sixteen years ago now. Um, so when I was about the age of fifteen, sixteen years old, I would come up to the distillery with Gail, and we would do her classic salmon with um, roast potatoes and oats and butter, and serve it to the functions at the distillery. Um, and then from there, I ended up just working my way up um, from service into the kitchen. And then I went off to France and worked in the chalets, uh, did some training there, um, spent a good couple of years in and around France, cooking there. And then I moved on to the super yachts, which is where it really all started to take off, where I had some real chefing experience and I had the joy and the luck of working with some really good chefs and, and some really exotic places all around the world. Um, You're going to, you can't stop there. Come on, this is, I am a Below the Deck fan. So, um, <laughs> have you watched them all? And for those that don't know, check Netflix, Below Deck, whether it's Caribbean or Mediterranean. So, yeah, just a little insight of where you've gone, just tantalises with some of the travels from the past. We've missed them. So lucky, so lucky. Um, I've been to Dominican Republic where we swam with humpback whales. Uh, I've been out all around the Mediterranean, all around the Caribbean, the States. Uh, Very luxurious. Not your usual chef upbringing, just slaving away in the kitchens. Uh, (laughs) Hard play hard. But my knowledge, and I have got an extensive knowledge of Below Deck, um, especially Series 1, they're very exacting customers, these people that hire out the super yachts. Would that be right? 
Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting characters. And I have to say, I was trying really hard to not watch Below Deck, um, and I finally gave in a couple of weeks ago. And I'm totally amazed. It's exactly, it's a really, really accurate representation of yachting. Smoking <laughs> 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 <Those> mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant I didn't know Laura that's so fascinating it makes my DCP game seem a little bit inconsequential which of course it is not so um, that's a wonderful summation of your, your, your past so um, unbeknownst to the listeners I gave you three whiskies uh, last week you weren't in so I just dropped them off with the turn up the beat elves um, and they got the whiskey to you um, and that the whole concept of this, it's just with someone with a food background and you're an expert, what whiskies would you drink? D. What would you cook with? C. And what would you pair with what foods? So drink, cook or pair. I'm leaving it in your hands, Laura. You're the expert. What did you come up with? And let the people know what was your first whiskey and just your, your thought processes. What were you just going to drink? So with my historical background with Glengoyne, I'm obviously slightly biased, um, but it is a really lovely whiskey. And I would normally just drink Glengoyne, um, but I've decided to pair it this time. Oh, right. So go pee first. Okay, pair. Right. We'll pair. And actually, I've got two Glengoyne legends. I've got the 10-year-old and the 18. And they are slightly different, actually. Um, so I love the 10 year olds is so lovely um, and I actually thought there was a few things that came to mind that I thought the 10 year old would go really well with uh, and I was going along the lines of you probably have heard a lot of this before the obvious ones like I would say was flapjacks and it's like that oats and honey and chocolate <laughs> Cranikin, you know, raspberry cream. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think the ultimate pairing uh, would actually be like with a with a cranikin. I think. And just explain to our international listeners, cranikin, a lovely Scottish dish. Yes, a lovely Scottish dish with raspberries. I'm taking a note here, because you're the first contestant, so 10-year-old Anakin. So carry on, raspberries, fresh cream. Questions later with a prize to make sure you're <laughs> listening. <laughs> uh, so fresh raspberries and some fresh whipped cream. Uh, and put a little bit of honey and maybe even a bit of vanilla essence through the cream. And some toasted oats. And with a wee, you would actually traditionally put a whiskey through it. So I don't know if I'm blurring the lines a little bit here between cook and pear. Um, that's fine. It's your, your, it's your game. Your, your, sounds wonderful. That's a win-win situation. <laughs> and cranachin is such a traditional dish, isn't it, in Scotland? That's a, that's a lovely one to have. It's almost it's like an eaten mess. Is that be, be right for those? Yeah. Uh, another name for something similar. Very traditional, basically Scottish version of an Eton mess, I would say. I love that. I think that's a great pair. That's good because I love the 10. For me, it's got a lovely clean 
notes to it and it really cleanses the palate when you had the fresh cream and the strawberries it just like, sort of cleanses the the palate ready for the next you're right you're beautiful. right so i love that for the ten. carry on so that is our pair well so interestingly i would have also because i didn't know if these glengoin legends would come in the same category together although they're different ages I gave you I gave you one of each just so you can do whatever you want with it, Laura. So you're going to try and pair the 18 as well? Yes. I think we're bending the rules a wee bit, aren't we, on the first... <laughs> 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 on the first pair. So I think... Um, and I actually had a good chat with a friend of mine about this who's also a chef. And we both agreed that the Glengoin 18-year-old would go so well with blackberries and honeycomb and all those kind of flavours. Um, but in terms of me representing Turn Up The Beat, I have to tell you that this would go perfectly with our chocolate banana bread. Um, very bit, a lot of banana in there, and it's got a massive slab of chocolate on the top, and then we put a little bit of sea salt on it. And that would just go so perfectly with the Glengoin 18-year-old legends. Um, holding it up to camera. That sounds lovely. That chocolate as well. That's a lovely, that's a lovely touch. So that's us done the 18. We are pairing with the Glengoin. Uh, you've still got two categories. You've got a drink alone or a cook with. So drink, cook, pair. Okay, so I am going to cook with the smokehead. And what are we cooking? So, I'm going to throw a wild one in the works and say a baba ganoush with the smokehead as a lovely smoky undertone would be delightful, I think. For those of us or those not familiar with a baba ganoush, just explain uh, what, what it is. And also, when you're doing that, could you explain... Do you think this is sacrilege, putting whiskey into food, or is it something you've done, you've heard done, uh, and is it a good thing? So, two questions. I've always found it to be a good thing, um, but mainly because I've only ever used it in Scottish traditional cooking, where it belongs really naturally. Um, but that's why I wanted to give you a wild card, because you'll be so used to all those traditional recipes by now, the <laughs> um, <laughs> baba ganoush is a Middle Eastern dish. Um, in fact, I think it, I think we've had it up at the distillery before a few times, Gordon. I'm not sure if there was any left for you, though. <laughs> or whether I can remember. I'm not too sure. Some nights at the distillery, should, you know, what happens there? Anyway, so, yes, what's the, what's the main flavour profile of the baba ganoush? Uh, so the, the baba ganoush should be aubergines and I would normally char grill or smoke the aubergine and then it'll just go all soft inside and you can peel the skin off and just put it in a blender with loads of fresh parsley, loads of fresh garlic, even a bit of pomegranate in there and a squeeze of lemon or lime juice and then a little dash of smokehead in it would just give it a really nice, rich, smoky undertone. Fantastic. That sounds really, really nice. Absolutely. Salivating here, just thinking, thinking of that. So that's lovely. And yeah, it's not sacrilege to use 
malt whiskey. And that, for those that are maybe not familiar, Smokehead is an Isla single malt. I should have just explained that for folk not keeping up. Um, so that would be a lovely sort of smoky undertone, as you mentioned. So we've got the pair for the 18. We've got the cook with the Smokehead, which means you're tasting and drinking the Tamdu. <laughs> which is the Tamdu 12. Now, flavour, you know, does that remind you of anything from the food world? It's entirely matured in sherry casks, uh, the, the Tamdu, but lovely rich flavours there with some, as you've mentioned already, some vanilla and some softer notes. I'm just having a wee taste. <laughs> good. It would be really good. Um, no, I absolutely love this hit, the Tam juice. It is absolutely gorgeous. It reminds me of, um, I took part in the Dramathon up north, you know. Yes. That was one of the distilleries that the Dramathon goes past. That's halfway. Yeah, that's right. And it's a stunning distillery as well, isn't it? Absolutely. You'd have crossed the Spey just at, um, just after Ballandalich, Crag and Moor distilleries. And then you yeah. run along the side of the Spey and then you come to, to Glengoyne. I was doing the half marathon uh, in the first one. And when I saw the, the Dunnage warehouses of Tamdu, it's, like, it's almost that that, poster of platoon there was on my knees and my hands in the air for thank god so uh, but you had to carry on did you do the whole the whole shit match i got pretty close and then in true true style i had i clunked out i've got it's a it's a <laughs> it's a talent of mine i do a lot of running and i get really close to the end and then i manage to faint it's just something that i do uh, i get too excited but the most important thing was is I still got my wee bag of miniatures um, at the end, which is why we do it, isn't it? That's like I'm the best incentive to run ever. <laughs> and so it is. It's great fun. And I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but we started certainly the, the first one at Glen. Uh, Glen was it Glen Levitt we started? No. Glen Farkless. And Glen Farkless we started and you finished Glen Fidder. That's right. Yeah. And you pass all these distilleries and they give you miniatures at the ends. So after Tamdu, you go up the hill to Aberlour, which is a killer, I believe. Thankfully, I didn't do that section. But it's a, it's a great race. It's a great part of the world. And what you're holding there, Tamdu, really does sort of encapsulate that whole that whole area. Speyside is so special. It really does. It's gorgeous. And I think this is a really well-rounded whiskey. Um, so for I actually tested this on one of my friends who she's one of those she's like oh I don't like whiskey I can't handle whiskey and she was like oh okay I like it <laughs> and I also think the Glengoyne 10 has that exact same effect these are the whiskies to give to people that think they can't handle a whiskey and then they drink a Tamdu 12 or a Glengoyne 10 and, and they slowly start converting uh, because they're just so, quite nice, sweet, light whiskies. So out of all the three things I've just done there, Laura, whether it's been drinking alone, whether it's been cooking it or pairing it with the whiskies, out of the three, which one, if you only had to choose one, would you choose Ooh. to drink? It doesn't need to be these whiskies, just drink it alone, cook it or pair it. What's the best in your opinion? With, ooh, well... I'm going to have to stick to Glengoyne, I'm sorry, but <laughs> everyone that knows me knows that that's definitely my favourite drinking whiskey. Um, the 10-year-old, I have to say, is my favourite. 
Really <laughs> nice, very drinkable, and I love your cranachin, that lovely fresh raspberries and, and cream, some honey and oats with just all these lovely flavours. Uh, you've got that in the glass as well, so it's a, a, a great, a great shout. Uh, Laura, we can get you on the website, is that right? Yes, absolutely, yep. You can get us on our Turn Up The Beat website, which is www.turnupthebeat.co.uk. And there's some great photographs of the West Highland Way and you've sent out your staff and taken some great photographs over the last year of uh, lockdown, which is, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed looking at them. We're lucky where we are, aren't we? We've definitely made the most of it. Um, we're just in such an, a lovely area, so the lockdown hasn't been that bad for us, I have to say. <laughs> I know. Well, hopefully if people listen to this and they're going to try and come across to Scotland at some point and come to, to Glengoyne, you're just along the road so people can come and check it out at Turn Up The Beat. Laura Burt, thank you very much. Harry Styles, food stylist, super yacht cook as well. And now the first person to do a drink, cook, pair. You have been sensational. Thank you, Laura. Thank you so much. That was lovely. Slanjabar. <laughs> <laughs> Well done, Laura. That's uh, Gordon. I'm sure fabulous. You'd have agreed with that, but did you not? Because you've mentioned about yachting and boating and sailing. Yeah. Super yachts. She's been a chef in the super yacht. Gordon, have you ever set your little dinky feet on a super yacht? I have. I've oh. sailed on a few super yachts. Yeah, I have. Never... Uh, I have. I had Give a friend a of mine. Come on, quickly. Well, I was in uh, <laughs> I was in Palma about three years ago, and a good friend of mine, Roddy, who who who's the skipper of a uh, of a of a yacht out there um it's 110 foot wally oh. it's called a wally yacht this thing is unbelievable uh uh and uh you know just a beautiful bit of sailing sailing boats not so much motor boats i'm more right. a sailing boat person uh uh so yeah no i oh. mean I, below decks watch below decks oh, yeah uh, yeah yeah it's wonderful so well done to laura i think can we see drink cook pair coming up in the next series I don't see why not. I think there's a lot of things that I think should come up in the next series. Uh, well, we, we, you know, as you may not have guessed, this is going to be the last episode of this series. Gordon, you and I, well, we're not going to take a break. We're going to be doing no, lots work. of other things, but, uh, <laughs> we, are but we, we, we are taking a short sabbatical. Is that the word? I don't know. Busman's <laughs> holiday from, uh, so. from, from, from doing this probably till about mid-July. Would that be fair? That's a, that's We've managed... Fair, I mean, when we started this up, Gordon, we we thought, well, let's do a podcast. Uh, we've done <laughs> we've done forty episodes, something like that. Something like that. And also, we've got so many little features I wanted to do, including I've got the answer. What's oh, the question? So, will that. we be doing that again, Gordon? And just as a little soup salt, a little flavour. Uh, you've mentioned this distillery already. Here's the answer: Bowmore, seventeen seventy-eight, or seventeen seventy-nine. 1779, second oldest distillery in Scotland. Yes, or the oldest one still working in Isla. Boom. And finally, um, Brackla in 1835. Brackla in 1835. Did it get its royal warrant? What's the question? Did, uh, did oh. what? <laughs> <laughs> Which whiskey <laughs> got a royal yes. warrant? In 18, yes, yes. In 18, what, yeah. 35. 35. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's, that's William Fourth. Very the good, very good. William um, Anyway, that's, we're, we're working that, and that I've will got, be... I've got, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on, big boy. I've got some for you. 
I've got some for you. Um, talking of that, Lefroy in 1994. Oh, which distillery celebrated 150 years of existence? No. Oh, it's the bar. Not even the bar. Not going to give in to that one. Which Isla distillery received a royal warrant from Prince Charles? Ah, of course. Did he fill up a cask when he was there? Is that right? I think he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah, back yeah. there about a year, two, two or three years ago as well. Yeah. Um, well, that's nice. So Gordon's um, got the answer. Okay, it's just what here, the question is. Here's another question. Speyside with over 55 distilleries. Ah, the, what is the biggest whiskey region in Scotland by distillery? Correct. My numbers, boom. So this is another, earlier on we talked about themes for whiskey tastings. This could be a theme. Here's the question, what's the answer? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we need to do more of that. I think we need to do more of that. We'll do more of that. And also, I don't have time for objects that change the course of history. This series we talked uh, copper, uh, advertising money, and um, all sorts of Mm. truths to indicate the tourist industry that's now around the world of whiskey. So there's more of that. I've got a few up my sleeve. We never got quite round to Gordon, sadly. And no, just absolutely. a quick word on some of the people we've had. Uh, just a big thank you to people like James Campbell, Sandy McIntyre. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Leonard Russell. Don't forget the boss. Don't forget Leonard. Um, I had... The th- Absolutely. Look, we, we couldn't do this without everybody's generous time that they give us. Um, and um, Derek Elsom, Ian Burnett, uh, Dougie absolutely. Wiley and Daniel Murphy as well. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Stuart Henry, Dave Cummings. Yep, that's all. I wanted to mention everybody from this series, so thank you to no, all of them. Absolutely. And we, we, we will be back. So we've got 40 episodes of content on Podbean, on YouTube. Well, not on YouTube, only the last series is on YouTube, but... Uh, so catch up with it. There's some really, really good stuff there. We'll be back with uh, the same format. We're not going to really change it, but we'll be back uh, in <laughs> mid-July, I suspect, with um, some more Whiskey Unscripted. Yes, there might even be one or two little surprises. We might even be live out and about. Ooh. Who knows? Who knows? We could be doing it live from different locations. Wouldn't yes. that be exciting? Uh, so, yeah. Are. Yeah. Uh, look, guys, it's been a pleasure. Any, we are here on Facebook and everything. Uh, keep in touch, and uh, yeah, we'll see you all soon. Slanjava, Gordon Slanjava, great episode. Thanks. Your health. Cheers, Cheers folks. Bye. Bye. Well, that was the end of a fantastic episode. I hope you enjoyed that. Just a quick word about the musician here, Dave Arcari. He's in the Smokehead Sessions starting June the 7th. There's four of them that month, 8 o'clock. Head to Dave's Facebook page or his website, Dave Arcari. Thanks for music, Dave, and have a great uh, June with those sessions. Everyone, goodbye! To end it this way Since 1833 Staying ahead On the whiskey trail Oh, staying ahead On the whiskey trail